You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. We're in Luke, so if you want to open your Bibles or turn on your Bible, however you do that sort of thing, to Luke chapter 2, it's what we're going to be doing. We uh, have this regular thing that Cindy is a huge fan of pig and pancakes. She lives in Cannon Beach. So we went to pig and pancake over in Gleason. And guess what? Santa was there waking for us. So we, I mean, this is good. And uh, he's a little, he's just, we had a lot of fun with him. So those are my grandgirls, Joy and Nicole and Cindy and David and Samantha. Sherry got blessings. Our grandkids, our family. Our greatest blessings is family, and Sherry thought that was a good idea. David, do you like that shirt? One cross plus three nails equals four given. David's at, over, over at Hermiston, or at Stanfield, and on the elder team and preaching team, chairman of the elders over there. And then Cindy, of course, is a bear fan, so he had to go to Black Bear, of course. And the, the Santa there was super, super friendly. The bear, he's a little gruffy, so I guess that's okay. And we Skyped with Don and Susan. Susan's a reindeer. Michael was just really having fun. And Lizzie was off on an adventure of her own when I took the picture here. What a great thing that we can gather together as family in the various pieces around. Top stories of 2017. You look back and everybody's kind of doing this sort of thing. What are the top stories? Everybody agrees in all the different feeds that I was looking at. Everybody agrees in the United States that the top story was this one. Cover of Time magazine, but top story everywhere is the, uh, the women who speak out against sexual abuse. Me Too was the hashtag. Uh, silent no more. Uh, and they spoke out, the five women there on the front named, there's an elbow there for women and other women who were not named, who kept their anonymity. And they spoke out against the richest and most powerful people from all different walks of life And I just say here uh, at Grace Community Church that we stand completely opposed to sexual harassment. We absolutely believe in sexual fidelity within marriage, and we stand for that. And the point of it is, if you're wrestling with this stuff, Grace is a place where you can wrestle with people who have compassion and caring. We're not going to come and yell at you for saying, I need help. What we will yell at you for if you start acting out, especially if you act out like this. See, this is what is not yet being called out as sexual abuse, but it is. And it's not just men looking away, it's women as well, but we absolutely believe and call for, in the name of Jesus Christ, fidelity in marriage, fidelity in relationships, where we can stand as people who honor who Jesus Christ is. That's what we stand for here. Portland's top story, of course, the Max Line killings. When the man started threatening two young women on the Max train, as they pulled in the Hollywood stop, some people said, we are not going to take that. And they stepped up to stop this man from what he was doing, and Ricky Best gave his life to protect those two girls, 53 years old, 23 years in the military, 
working for the city of Portland as a supervisor in one of the departments, was on the max train headed home to his three sons and daughter living over in Happy Valley when he said, you can't do that on my train. Taliesin, who can pronounce his name, Namkai Meche, however it is, graduate of Reed College in economics, volunteering doing an internship at a nonprofit, 23 years old, stood right up with Ricky Best and said, no, not on my train. He gave up his life. Micah Fletcher, 21 years old, Portland State student, poet, musician, stood up and was savagely attacked but survived. Ironically, he had just won a poetry slam where he had spoken out against abuse of Muslims. And he put his life on the line. And we believe there are times there's, you need to put your life on the line. We believe there's times that you need to stand up and say, this is not right. And if need be, give your life for that. It's the way of Jesus who gave his life for us. Some have said, well, if you're willing to die for something, that means you're willing to kill for something. And we don't stand with that. What we do stand with is we will love and serve our neighbor at great cost, even at ultimate cost, because... What more can they do to us but send us to see Jesus? We celebrate heroes like this and many others. Top story, of course, the inauguration of President Trump. I really wondered what's in his son Jordan's head as he's standing there bored out of his mind as a teacher, as a teenager, uh, watching his dad do the thing. You'll never know. This is what it caused in Portland. Remember the riots? People went on the streets, tear gas, violence, in what happened there. And it's not ended. This is this morning's Oregonian. Talking about Eugene, Oregon, probably the most liberal city in Oregon. White power battleground. They're having an eruption of alt-right white nationalism, neo-Nazi in Eugene. The conflict is not at an end. Nor will it end until Messiah Jesus comes. But we stand for people living together in peace and harmony. There are some photos that you just, okay, what is President, or what is uh, Putin thinking as President Trump extends his hand? Just, I really want to know what's going on in his head. I really do. This, I love this picture. Dallas, Texas, DFW. Muslim praying there because of the time to do that. But this little girl who belongs to one of the women there is dancing and playing with an American flag, and her shirt says, Real girls like to win. There's a little culture conflict there, maybe, do you think? And who can forget Mandalay Bay Hotel? The broken windows as Air Force One pulls out after President Trump visited there, where, what, 54 people were shot there at Highway 91 Country Music Festival. First Baptist Church, Sutherland, Springs, Texas. We could remember it with dead bodies and blood everywhere, but 72 hours, volunteers went in and they refurbished the place and they put the way we want to remember this sort of thing with cleansed crosses on chairs, roses behind a cross, remembering that violence will not win. We will stand for love and service, hope and healing for people. 
Kim Jong-un watching a missile fly. Who knows what will happen there? Hurricane Harvey. Again, people put their lives on the line to reach out to help strangers. I have no idea who this man is carrying a woman and her baby out of the floodwaters. You can see how deep they are there on the freeway. Some people have to do the rescuing on their own. <laughs> and say so we did a little different way. Saying you're after the dog waiting for somebody to come visit you there at Hurricane Harvey. This is Hurricane Maria. Naples, Florida. Bob Krupp is part of our congregation. He lives here part-time working at the seminary and the rest of the time he's in Naples. Three days this woman sat in the dark in Naples, Florida. Hurricane Maria. This is Christmas in Puerto Rico where the whole town is still dark three months later with no hope of restoration of power anytime in the foreseeable future. The difference between wealth and poverty is still very, very much a part of our society. And Puerto Rico is better off than many places. But the infrastructure damage there is, is fierce. The fires, this is Santa Rosa, the Tubbs fire, but there were like 14 fires, 54 people killed, 5,100 homes destroyed with this fire that came in the middle of the night and people didn't even know what was happening. It was too, too late to get out. Whole neighborhoods burned. Two of my students are pastors in Santa Rosa and the churches there are coordinating together to try to think how to restore life in this devastated community that was literally burned to the ground in many neighborhoods. Ventura, the Thomas Fire, this is Highway 101. I've been up that stretch of highway many times. Westmont College evacuated. They were not destroyed, but people there got out because they learned their lesson of Santa Rosa. Again, two strangers stopped as they were driving by to try to save the house of a person they'd never met. But they said, we can't let this place burn. And here they are dredging embers to try to save the house of a stranger. This is our own fire, Eagle Creek. Now you look at that and you think, are these guys like not paying attention? Their golf game is so entrancing. Well, there's a Columbia River between them and the fire. This is North Bonneville. But still, just the contrast as fire burns place up. This is Aleppo, Syria. This is a distinguished gentleman who made his home in Aleppo in the savage civil war that's going on there. As nations fight each other in Syria, gets caught in the crossfire. And he's sitting there with his crank gramophone, waiting for his pipe to light so he can crank his gramophone and listen to his classical music. Mosul, Iraq. The fight against ISIS, many American bombs were dropped in Mosul. And you see the kind of devastation was done there in this battle between ISIS and the people of Mosul. Who knows? when that beautiful city will ever be rebuilt. But then, see what's happening here? This is Isabella Cabrera. She was born without a hand, and most of her arm was not there. 
So five undergraduate bioengineering students decided as their capstone graduation project that they would make her a prosthesis and they used 3D printer to build this prosthesis so she can now play her violin. What an amazing thing to do. Undergraduates, just let's do something to help. You can watch her play. She's not very good, but I think she's got, she's new at it. I mean, how long, this, she only had it a week or so and she's on the way. I wanna follow this woman up and see what she's like in a few years. We just had time to practice. Weather, crazy, crazy. Three Hills, Alberta, volcanoes, spectacular. Of course, we had our own spectacular. How many of you got to see the eclipse in totality? Quite a few of you. How many were in Fairbanks, Alaska, like me, and couldn't even tell it was happening? <laughs> Keesh, talk about bad planning. And this, you can't see it here, but the man exalted on three-finger jack with the eclipse in the background. You know, the question I ask is, what is the top story of 2017? What is the top story of 2017 for you? Because everything is regional, everything is personal. What is the top story of 2017? I suggest to you that the top story of 2017 is Luke chapter one and two. The arrival of the king of the universe to come in and bring salvation to people who are under oppression and under disease and demonic and death and disaster and the king has come to help that out. I think that's the top story of 2017. So let's look at it together. If you look at this story, it begins in the days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken in the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Oops. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. Now, as you ponder this a bit, it makes total sense that Joseph would go from Nazareth up in the north down to Bethlehem down in the south. It's a long, difficult journey. Three days if you make good time over difficult terrain. Why would Mary go? Why would Mary go? There's no reason for her to go. There's no reason for her to go. She should stay home in Nazareth with supporting family with a baby on the way. Why does she go with Joseph? We don't know, but I think what this is, this tells us that this baby was born in deep love between Joseph and Mary. Remember, they're not married yet. This is an arranged marriage. They're pledged to be married, and they won't be married until after Jesus is born. And Joseph is a righteous man and woman, Mary, full of grace, are a deep love relationship. And we see it in the fact that they make this very difficult journey together to Bethlehem. But that's not the end of the story. Time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes. Swaddling is not unusual. It's around today. And placed him in a manger. That's unusual. Why would you put a baby in a feeding trough? Well, he tells us, because there's no guest room available for them. Now, again, ponder this. 
This is first century Middle Eastern world. Not unlike it would be today. There's always room for family. There's always room for family. I've asked people who come from communitarian families, Middle Eastern and others where family values are central. David, or Joseph is going to his home. He's going to his family. There's always room for family. Why was there no room? The reason there was no room is he was not only born in love, he was also born in rejection. Why was Joseph and Mary not welcome in Joseph's hometown? Because they're not married. She's pregnant. That's why there was no room. That's why this baby was put in a feed trough. And the irony there is the God of the universe comes to visit. He comes into a home that's full of love and faithfulness, but in a family that's full of rejection and hostility as well. In these three stories, this is a baby story, we find somebody speaking the word of God here. It's angels. The angels say to the shepherds, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. There will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Now look at this for a bit. Savior. Which means what? Well, that's the rescuer. A Savior is somebody who rescues you from oppression, rescues you from sin, rescues you from demonic, rescues you from death and disaster. He is Messiah. And when you see Messiah, you immediately think of the Genesis 3.15 serpent crusher that's been promised since the very beginning of time. He will be Messiah. And he will be the Lord. Now, the Lord appears in the first two chapters of Luke 29 times. 27 times, it's unequivocally referring to the God who creates the heaven and the earth. I think it is here, too. I think that's referring to Yahweh. He is going to be the rescuer. He is the promised serpent crusher. And he is Yahweh. And who is this? Who is the he? Who is that? It's a little baby lying in a feed trough. And what the angels are saying is this baby is Yahweh saving us. Unbelievable. That's the angel speaking. And the great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to those with whom his favor rests. Here's an army coming. Now, these days in, in Israel, they're very used to armies. They come regularly. It's like when ISIS comes to visit you, whether it's the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Greeks or the Romans, what happens when the army comes? They come to bring tyranny and oppression and corruption and robbery. But this army, the angelic army, comes to bring peace and grace. The shepherds respond. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened for the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. What was their response? 
go check it out, excited. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they'd seen him, this baby, this Yahweh who is saving us, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd did. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that he heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What's the voice of the shepherds? Let's go look. And when they look and see what's going on and realize that it's true, then they're out telling everybody. The response of the shepherds is a pattern for us. This baby is Yahweh saving us. Now point, what's the social status of shepherds in ancient Israel? Bottom of the heap. What's the bottom of the social heap here in Gresham? What's the bottom of the social heap here in our city? What's the bottom? Hmm? Homeless? I think that's probably true. The homeless, severely mentally ill, drug addicted is probably the lowest. If it's not, it's among the lowest. That's who God appears to. If he came today, it'd be glory to God in the highest spoken to homeless, mentally ill, drug-addicted people on Springwater Trail, some of whom are a part of our fellowship here. And we invite them to join because I have good news for them. You don't have to measure up to something to be a part of this good news. This baby is Yahweh saving us. Mary's response? Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What a good response. Treasure all these things, much of which she didn't understand, and pondered them in her heart. Again, a pattern for us to do. When we see these amazing things, is just to receive it, treasure it, even when you don't understand it, and ponder it deeply. What does this mean? Now, she had the advantage of having her own angel appear to her back in chapter 1, as Matt helped us see earlier in this series. What did Jesus do? Did he cry? Away in a manger. Little Lord Jesus, no. Did he cry as a baby? What does scripture say? It doesn't. So we don't know. I think he cried. But in this story, Jesus didn't do anything. Why? He is so tiny as a newborn baby total vulnerability, total helpless, and he is Yahweh, king of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, who's come among us. This is who we're talking about. So story one about the baby. Story two about the child. Eighth day, time to circumcise the child. He's named Jesus. The name of the angel was given him before he was conceived. When the time came for purification rites, which had been maybe six weeks later, required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is beast consecrated to the Lord, and he went to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what's said in the law of the Lord. So we see the child is presented for purification in obedience. Now, note the irony. Who is this baby? This baby is Yahweh, the God who created on earth, come among us. And he has to do a a sacrifice of purification for God come among us. Why is that? Because he's come into this 
sin-marred world, and just by being here, he takes on a defilement by being in this world. And God's provided a sacrifice for this new baby. So this baby, who is God, has to have a sacrifice done for him, for his purification, recognizing that three decades later, he's going to be back being the sacrifice that will redeem and purify all who will receive it. What an incredible irony. The Redeemer must be redeemed so he can do the redemption for us who need to be redeemed. Who can be... Normally you've got a treasure and ponder. But there's one more thing. The sacrifice, it's a pair of doves and two young pigeons. And when you follow your cross-pression back, you'll find that that is what is there for somebody who's living in abject poverty. So he's presented for purification, obedience, yes, but also in poverty. Here is the king of the universe living in such poverty that he can't even afford a proper sacrifice that is purification. And this is the God of the universe. What an incredible, incredible humility this represents. A man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who is righteous and devout, waiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had revealed him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. I want that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. But it goes on, moved by the Spirit, this old man went to the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do them what the custom law required. Now, here's a crowded temple space. Here's two nondescript poor people carrying a little baby among the crowds, and the Holy Spirit moves Simeon, and he recognizes that baby is the one. And he goes over and takes him in his arms, and he begins to sing. Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light of, for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel." child's father and mother marveled at what they had said about him, and I'll bet they did. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many and to be a sign that we've spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There's a prophet, Anna, daughter of Penuel, tribe of Asher. She was very old, lived with her husband seven years after the marriage, and a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming upon them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to redemption. So two prophets, an old man and an old woman, speaking their message. A light to the Gentile and the glory of your people, Israel, the Abrahamic covenant fulfilled in this little baby. This is a message for all nations, not just the nation of Israel. All people are touched by this little baby. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many. Now you think back to what the angels said to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill, to those upon whom his grace rests. This is a very different message. Why will he cause the falling and rising of many, this little baby, this child? A sign that will reveal the thoughts of many. A sword will 
pierce your own soul, Mary. Why is that? See, I think the answer here is that this is not just any baby. This is Yahweh come in the flesh to be the Savior. And he's coming into enemy territory. He's coming into a place where the serpent's work is real. The place for selfishness, oppression, robbery, violence are the central values. And he's bringing in love, service, humility, even to the point of death. This is war. This is war. A whole different kind of war. But because he is king of the universe and because he comes in and says, I am king of kings and lord of lords, he demands allegiance. And because of that, people will either redefine him as gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who just wants us to find our own path, which is not what he's saying. Or you come against him. We're not likely to be at a spot where we're going to put our lives in line for Jesus or be asked to do that. But three weeks or so from now, I will be in Uganda teaching denominational leaders, 10 of whom will be from East Congo, which is a hellhole of the world, three of whom will be from South Sudan, which is almost as bad, the others from Rwanda and Uganda, going with Mending the Soul. I'll be doing trauma training. I'll be doing lament theology of suffering. And two very experienced trauma counselors will be teaching the denominational leaders trauma work so they can go and teach their churches. Thousand churches, at least, will be touched by these denominational leaders. Their life on the line is just routine for them. Child's father and mother marveled. So Jairus and Mary respond by marveling at what is said, the story of the child. But it isn't in there because Jesus, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and grace of God was upon him. Jesus grew and became strong. Wisdom, grace upon him. Pattern for our life because Jesus is fully human as well as God being with us and shows us how to live. There's a third story. The story of the boy. Here, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for a festival of Passover. Again, both parents. Normally, it'd be just Joseph going. Both parents go. Speaking to the kind of exemplary marriage that we just get glimpses of between Joseph, who is not the literal father of Jesus, but the adoptive father of Jesus, faithful to his wife and faithful to his family. Twelve years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. So he's brought there by both parents, again, this kind of faithfulness that we see happening. After the festival was over, his parents were returning home. Boy, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and they were unaware of it. Thing is, with their company, they traveled on for a day. They became looking for him among their relatives and friends. Now, should Jesus have been with them? Well, of course. That's, he's 12 years old. He knows when they're leaving. He should be with them. They expect he's with him, and they travel as a caravan. Everybody takes care of each other. And it's a day out, they discover he's not here. So they went back to look for him, and he wasn't there. They went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting on the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. 
Everyone heard him was amazed at his understanding his answers. And what we see here is when Jesus is now speaking. He is listening and asking the teachers profound questions. Twelve-year-old boy with the best of the teachers. But look what is this happening. I mean, this is one of the places you ponder closely. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Did Jesus disobey? Did Jesus disobey? Look what Jesus' answer is. Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Look what Mary says. Your father and I, what does Jesus say? Don't you have to be on my father's house? What's he saying here? Who is his father? Well, Joseph, yes, but his father is Yahweh, who's worshipped in the temple. It's abs- not, I mean, just to give you a point of thing here, if you look back in the Old Testament, not once does anybody refer to Yahweh as father. Never. How do you refer to him? As Lord. Never as father. Oh, he's the father of Israel, but nobody ever refers to him as father. This is the first word of Jesus in Luke's gospel, and what does he say? The God of the universe is my father. Do you not know I had to be in the house of my father? Now, the word house there actually is not in the Greek. There isn't a word there, and you have to fill it in. Could be house, temple, could be business or mission of the Father. Whoever it is, he is deeply involved in the Father because God is his Father, ultimately. They didn't understand. I'll bet they didn't. He went down to Nazareth with him and was obedient to them. After saying, God is my Father, he goes and is obedient to Mary and Joseph. His mother treasured those things. Mary responding, did not understand, but treasured all those things in her heart. Good pattern for us. Good pattern for us. To treasure, marvel, ponder, even when you don't understand. Because this Jesus is one who confuses. This Jesus is one who upsets things. Jesus grew in wisdom. And Jesus obedient, growing in wisdom, favor God and man. A baby, a child, a boy. When God speaks, he speaks first through an angel, then through a prophet, and then through Jesus. In all three, he says, this baby, this child, this boy is Yahweh. Come among us. The responses from shepherds, from Mary, from Mary and Joseph, (coughs) is to be amazed to wonder, to ponder, to treasure. Jesus is the one who shows us, along with Mary and Joseph, the obedience that comes out of that as well. So I ponder this a bit. The birth of this baby is a sign of confrontation between the kingdom of God, and we see here that the kingdom of God is full of weakness, 
full of insignificance and vulnerability. A little baby is the king of the universe, is coming up to confront the kingdom of serpent. And the kingdom of serpent is what has all the apparent wealth, influence, and power. Now this conflict is not at an end, as we saw in the review. The question is, how will we carry out that same mission? The temptation is, is to use slander or sarcasm or political power or monetary power or whatever to try to dominate. It's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to love and serve in humility and vulnerability, even to the point, perhaps, of giving up your life. And he calls us to follow him. The good news is brought for all, but it has to be pondered and received. And that's a call I give to you today. Some of you here still have not made a decision about this king of the universe come as a tiny baby growing into a boy. He is king of the universe. Will you show him trust, allegiance, connection? You don't have to do anything to be received by Jesus as king of the universe. But you do have to make that commitment to trust and believe and receive him. Jesus is son of God, as we saw, who's come into the world so that all may be sons of God, giving us our Abba relation to Yahweh. Again, this is an amazing thing, that the second person of the Trinity become incarnate as a baby calling God of the universe Father. That doesn't make sense. But that we would get to call the God of the universe Abba? My picture of this is when Ed came back from spending his two years in Israel. His little girl, Angela, had lived from age five to age seven in Israel, and she was at least as fluent in Hebrew as she was in English. And Ed was outside my office, and I saw him come out there. I went over to greet him, and while we were chatting with each other, uh, Angela came running up and came up to her daddy, who's a big guy, and Abba! Picked up her hands up to be lifted up by her daddy. That's how we pray to our Father. Respectful, but intimate. Why? That's that relation we have through Jesus with God in the universe. So what will you remember? Remember a manger, speaking of the ostracism and rejection? Remember shepherds, <laughs> the lowest rungs that God appears to? We remember the baby. Remember Mary, faithful, treasuring mother. Remember Messiah, the promised serpent crusher who will be the sacrifice to redeem the world. Remember the good news that salvation is open to all. So my question to you as we finish up here is, what is the biggest story of 2018 for you? Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, 
visit us online at gracecc.net.